1: You are going to be a true disciple of Christ. You've got to say, Lord, where's my primary audience? And right there, I want to be able to affect and make a difference. That's what he's saying. You want to be a disciple? That's what you got to do. Number four, characteristics of a true disciple. We've been talking about that. Is one, get this, who is preaching the kingdom of heaven. Did you see that in verse seven? As you go, Jesus said, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, the kingdom of heaven was inaugurated on the day of Pentecost, when the church was born. You know that. Someone once asked me, Rodney, what is the kingdom of heaven? Well, simply this. The kingdom of heaven is wherever Jesus reigns as king. So when a person becomes a Christian, and they receive Christ into their heart, and they say, Lord, come into my heart, and I make you the king of my life. Well, therein lies the kingdom of heaven. So essentially, Jesus is saying they were to go and preach a message that Jesus loves them. They were to preach the gospel message, preach the good news. And notice he said, preach, go and preach. Well, the same mandate is given to us, the church. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Paul the apostle told Timothy, his protege, he said, Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Timothy, preach the word. This word preach in the Greek language is the word karuso. Writing, taking notes, K E R. U-S-S-O, Caruso. And it means to herald, proclaim, to announce with gravity and authority, must be obeyed, right out of the Strong's. Must be obeyed. In other words, Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, I want you to herald, preach the word, and do it with a sense of formality and gravity and authority. Timothy, I want you to preach the word in a way that it must be listened to and obeyed. He doesn't say, Timothy, preach the Word if you feel like doing it. He doesn't say that. He says, preach the Word no matter what. Preach the Word. If you got nothing else to do, preach the Word. Preach the Word at all times. He doesn't say, Timothy, know the Word. He doesn't say, Timothy, like the Word. He doesn't say, Timothy, approve of the Word. He says, preach the Word. Proclaim the Word. Don't preach out of the Word. Don't springboard from the Word. Preach the word. Don't springboard from the word. Man, you know, I, I remember some years ago, I was in the church. And uh, I actually was in the choir. Now, that's the choir. but you know, We called it the choir. I'm the choir. you in the choir? Yeah, I'm in the choir. You know. And I'm sitting up in the choir stand and my wife is sitting in the audience. And I remember the pastor. I probably told you all the story. I remember the pastor opened the Bible. I will never forget this. He opened the Bible and he started reading a text. And, and, and then he closed the Bible and put it down. And I noticed that because I thought, man, we're in trouble now. He read a verse and, look, when they closed the Bible and put it down, be afraid, be very afraid, okay? So he put the Bible down, I'm like, okay, what are we in for now? And he started, he used the word to springboard from the word. He never even talked about the text that he read, so I'm in the pulpit. And I'm freaking I'm in the, the choir stand and I'm freaking out. I, I mean, I'm up there's like fifty people up there, and I'm looking out at my wife and I'm like, honey, I'm like, Hate it. that's not in the Bible. What are you saying? It's not in the Bible. And she's like, tell me at home, shut up. Tell me at home, don't say a word. That's enough. And I'm like, no, but it's not in the Bible. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, man. What he's saying is not here. Timothy preached the word. Don't springboard from the word. Preach the word. And how often do we hear this over and over? And maybe some people don't realize it, but it is important just to stay with the word. Amen, saints? It is so important. That's why we go verse by verse here. People go, you know, we go verse by verse every time people gather together. Home fellowship, they're doing verse by verse. Bible studies, doing verse by verse. Wednesday night, doing verse by verse. Sunday morning, verse by verse. Constantly staying in the scriptures because we believe that we are to preach the word, not preach about it, not preach from it, not springboard from it, preach the word, just the word. And so often there's sermonettes for Christianettes given by preacherettes because they're not staying with the word. So preach the word Jesus told his disciples, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Number five, a characteristic of a true disciple is he receives Jesus power. Notice in verse eight in your Bibles, go and heal, go and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead and cast out demons. They are to receive Jesus power. Not their power, Jesus' power. An interesting story, Luke chapter 10, look that up in your own time. Jesus gave the disciples this power. And they went out and they were doing what the disciples, what Jesus told them to do. Jesus said, go out and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and cast out demons. So they went out doing exactly what Jesus told them that they could go and do. And when they came back, they were so excited because it worked. And they really could do it. I bet you they came back to Jesus and they said, Jesus, there is power in these hands. Oh, Jesus, you should have seen it. Oh, if you won't, he been there. We're casting out demons and laying hands on the sick and they were healed. And Jesus says, yeah, I know. I'm the one that told you that. And then they were rejoicing. And Jesus said, in Luke chapter at uh, Luke chapter ten, He said, "Don't rejoice because demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in the book of life." Don't get all happy because the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in the book of life. You know, there's so much talk about miracles and all of that kind of stuff. And people like to refer to the book of Acts, you know, for miracles. And man, look at this miracle in the book of Acts. Look at that miracle in the book of Acts. And look at this and look at that. Do you know the book of Acts was written over a 30 year period? And did you know when you look at the miracles in the book of Acts, there's approximately 30 miracles in the book of Acts. Therefore, that equates to on average one miracle per year. And that's not a whole lot, to tell you the truth. Uh, Not, I guess, in what we see today. 30 miracles over a 30-year period. Now, am I saying I don't believe in miracles? I'm absolutely not saying that. I am a miracle. Amen. And so are you. And I believe in miracles. I believe that God can do whatever God wants to do. I believe in people getting supernaturally healed. I believe in demons being cast out. I've seen that for myself. But I do not believe that we should rejoice in these things. I believe that we are to rejoice because our name is written in the book of life. And rejoice that God even uses you, if he ever uses you to heal someone, then rejoice in that, that God, you used me. There's no power in these here hands. If you have a gift of healing, God is working in you and through you to accomplish that gift. And God will do a miracle when God is ready to do that miracle and not before. There's no power in these hands. Because if there were power in those hands, then why don't you do us all a favor and go over to Western Wake Hospital and go room to room and just lay hands on the sick and watch them all come out, save us all some HMO money. Would you? Could you? No, why? Because there's no power in these hands. The fact is God does supernaturally, sovereignly heals and he uses us to accomplish his sovereign divine plan of healing or any other miracle for that matter. Yes, I believe in a God of miracles. Amen, saints. Number six, a characteristic of true disciples. Get this. Hey, I got to tell you this. I'm headed home this morning. It's 1.30 in the morning. We left the marriage retreat yesterday about 10, 30 at night. And I'm headed home and, and I'm, I'm writing this sermon. I'm getting ready for it today. It's 1.30 in the morning. I'm in the car and I'm on my laptop typing my sermon and driving the car. And uh, just, just kidding. And I'm typing, I'm typing my sermon and, and, and it hit me. And I went, oh, man, I'm missing the obvious. I'm writing this sermon and it just hit me. It was the Holy Spirit. I told my wife, I said, honey, I'm missing the obvious here. True disciples, here's the obvious. Make disciples. True disciples make disciples? Yeah. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Go, therefore, and what saints make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, Jesus said, even to the end of the age. True disciples make disciples and get this nowhere in the Bible does it ever say that we are to make believers. It doesn't say go and make believers. That is not in the Bible because we don't make believers. God in the Holy Spirit makes believers. Amen. Saints, you understand that. But we are responsible and commanded to make disciples disciples. Uh, We call it the Great Commission. You've heard it before. Someone once said it's more like the Great Omission because it's one of those things that we really fail to do. We don't make disciples. People aren't making disciples. You know, that means this. If you lead someone to the Lord, it's your responsibility to disciple them and to grow them up in the Lord. That's your responsibility. I really believe that. You know, people think if they just give them a church or Pastor Ronnie or one of the pastors and they, they get, you know. No, if you lead someone to the Lord, then you should give them a call after you let them to the Lord the next day. You know, if I lead somebody to the Lord, I immediately go get one of those cards from Lifeway or something. One of the Christian bookstores, it says, welcome to the family of God. And I send them a card right away. And then I give it a couple days and, you know, I call them up. Hey, what you doing? Maybe it's Monday. Yeah, hey, you want to go to church Wednesday night? Well, yeah, people go to church on Wednesday night. See, unbelievers, so, all that stuff we do, people, they, they don't get it. They don't understand that this is like normal life. They don't know. You got to help them. So you call them up. Hey, you want to go to church on Wednesday night? Oh well, yeah, they, people go to church in the middle of the week? Yeah, man, it's cool. We have to go to the church and we like pray and read the Bible and, and, and sing songs to Jesus. Really? People do that stuff? Yeah, man, you want to go? Sure. Okay, I'll come pick you up. Don't tell him to meet you here because Satan will probably do something to keep him from coming. I'll come pick you up. You will? Yeah, I'll be there at 630 because we want to be on time for church and worship because we don't want to be late to church. We don't want to be late to church. Amen. Subliminal message, subliminal message. And you disciple them and you teach them the Bible and you sit and you just simply teach the Bible. I remember when I first started discipling this guy, when I first became a, pretty much a couple of years and I was a Christian, I, didn't, I was discipling this guy and I didn't know what I was talking about. I probably did more to confuse the guy than I did to help him. But see, what happens is when you begin to disciple someone else, guess who grows? You do. Because they ask you questions that you have no idea what the answer is. And, and so they ask you questions, and you go, well, man, I don't know. You don't? I thought you were a Christian. I am, but I don't know. And you go, well, I'll get back to you. And what do you do? You go find the answer. You call them back. Hey, man, there's the answer. When you disciple someone, you grow, and they grow. And that's your responsibility, to make disciples. Man, it's an unfortunate thing. The Great Commission has become the Great Omission. The Great Commission Now, if you're in sales, I bet you this word commission really gives you the warm fuzzies, doesn't it? When you think of commission, you go, "Ooh, commission. Why? Because when you hear the word commission, you think of compensation. Compensation? Yeah. You think of commission? I'm going to get a check. Well, listen, the commission, the great commission that the Lord gives us, our compensation is out of this world. Say amen, saints. (laughs) All right. Our compensation is out of this world. Why? Because we're sending treasures ahead. See, when you go out and make disciples, your compensation is not here. You're not going to get a check for making a disciple. But when you get to heaven, you know what you're going to hear? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. There is compensation that you cannot purchase with your commission check. The compensation that we receive from the Lord is better. Than anything, any amount that you could ever get here on the earth. And that's why we as Christians, when we see the word commission, we need to get warm fuzzies. Ooh, the great commission to go out and to make disciples. Lastly, a characteristic of a true disciple we're talking about is, I love this one, they trust in his provision. Did you see that in verse 9? They trust in his provision, provide neither gold nor silver, copper in your money belts nor bag for your journey, tunic, sandal, staff for the worker is worthy of his food. You see, a disciple is one who trusts in the promise of his provision in their life. We as Christians have a promise that we can look to God for everything we need. Philippians chapter 4, it says, And my God shall provide, do you know that verse? Say it with me. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, people get that confused. And they think it says, my God shall supply all your greed according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, that's not what it says. It says God will supply all your need. And I can tell you and have experienced in my own life that God Can provide for you. Listen and listen close. God can provide for you. Better than you can provide for yourself. Amen saints. I think believers. You got to know it. Don't you? I do. I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know I was thinking about. Some years ago in the trailer, and if you've been around this church a while, you heard me talk about the trailer all the time. I'll never forget when this church started in the trailer. I'll keep talking about it, by the way. Because how can I forget a time in my life when God did such an awesome, great work in my life and began this church in a trailer of all places? In Morrisville. Carpenter Fire Station Road was the main road. Sanger Road was one dirt road that went back and around these pine trees onto this three-acre property. No one could find it. You needed a Holy Spirit leading to find the church. I mean it was unbelievable and I'll never forget I was I, I love that church. That was the first place we had our first Sunday morning and, and I love that little trailer I, you know, I thought I was a big-time pastor in that trailer, y'all. I thought I was I thought I thought was all that in a bag of chips. Man, I had a trailer for a church, you know. And, and what we did, it was a garage, you know, double-car garage, and it had garage doors. And when I first saw it, it had garage door openers and with the clickers and everything. And, and the doors, and we took the doors out and the, the openers out and put in windows, put a wall back there, and made the double-car garage a sanctuary. We had 72 chairs in there, and it was tight. And then the trailer, that was the garage part, and then there was a little walkway, and then there was a, the trailer portion had the bedroom and the living room and the, the kitchen and the bathroom, and then it had like a little another bedroom in the back, and we had that as the nursery, and, and, and I'll never forget that. I love that try. I thought I was a big time pastor. I remember one morning I left for work, I said, honey, I'm going to the office. And she's like, you know, and I thought, you know, the office, you know. And she's like, oh, good, honey, go. She's just loving, supportive, probably thinking ain't no office of the trailer. Oh, yeah, honey, go. And I used to love to go out there, and I'd just sit there and read the Bible and just hang out there. I didn't know why. Nobody was there at the time. And, you know, we just had Wednesday night and Sunday morning. And, you know, I didn't have staff and all of this. And and I remember sitting on the porch. It's like they had a swing on the porch. And I'd go sit there and read my Bible. And I heard this car coming down the one lane driveway and this guy pulled up and he said, hey, pastor, how you doing? I didn't recognize him. I didn't know him. He said, you know, I heard about what God was doing over here. He said, and I want to bring you this check for 500 bucks because I think God's moving in your life and ministry. And I said, thank you so much. We're happy to take your money. No, I said, <laughs> no, I said, hey, thank you. It's so awesome, man. God provided And then I had a, a, that was the first bit of money. We didn't have any money at all. We didn't get paid for a long time. No money at all. And and, and God provided. God took care of us. Do you you hear what I'm saying? God took care of us. Yeah, some nights we had rice and beans. But they were good rice and beans. I'll tell you what, God took care of us and I never lost weight. (laughs) I was hoping to. Ain't nothing wrong with a little poverty to lose some weight. You understand what I'm saying? Do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. Get, get the fat off. You know what I'm saying? So a little poverty ain't going to kill nobody. I ain't lose no weight. God took care of us. And I remember I had a dream. I had a vision one night. And and the trailer was set up where there was these windows behind me. And the, it was on this property of three acres, as I said. And I'll never forget. I, I had a vision and... Uh, of, I looked out the window in the vision. I looked out the window and I saw people standing all over the property in twos. People just all over, they were everywhere. And just standing there, just, I mean, nobody was doing anything. It was kind of weird, you know? They were just standing there in twos all over the property. And then I remember in the vision, it came back inside and we had these speakers. And they were these big, heavy block speakers for that. We had our little cheesy sound system and these speakers were there. And in the vision, I saw those speakers. They were full with cash money and checks. And I woke up and I said, honey, I said, I just had a vision. And she said, what now? I said, no, this is good. I said, I just had a vision. I saw people standing in twos, and I saw those speakers that we have at church that was back then that we have at church. He goes, Yeah. I said they were full of money and checks. And I said, Honey, I believe that God is showing me that we are never gonna lack for people and we are never gonna have to be striving and struggling with finances. That God is going to provide everything we need for this church. And saints, can I testify? Can I testify? Is that all right? God has always provided for this church. God has never, ever, not one day, has never, the church has never been late on any bill ever, and we never make an issue of money, and we never make an issue of people. We put the boxes on the back wall, and we trust God to do the work. He always has, and saints, he always will. Amen? He always has. And he always will. He said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Ever. Ever. So faithful. And so when I stand here and tears flow, you got to understand, I'm not sad. Rodney's not sad. I got more joy in my heart than my heart can hold. Because God has been good. And when you know that you don't deserve the goodness of God, then you just are more full up because you know you. You might look all spiritual to everybody else, but you know you. You know your heart and God knows your heart. And so I look at my life and I say, God, I sure don't deserve the blessings that you so lavishly pour out on me. I don't deserve anything you give me. God, if you never give me anything else, I've been more blessed than I could have ever imagined. And so are you. You might not know it. You might not feel blessed. Let me tell you, if you woke up this morning, you're blessed. Didn't have to wake up. You know, there's some folks that didn't wake up today. You understand that, right? Some people didn't wake up today. You woke up. God blessed you. And for that, you should praise him. We have everything, so many reasons to praise the Lord. And true disciples, that's what they do. They praise the Lord. True disciples understand that it is God who provides for them. True disciples understand that it's Jesus' power in them. True disciples tell other people about it, and they make disciples.